is full of amazing stories, and the purpose of this podcast is to collect those stories from the people that live them. Where We Landed is a podcast that recognizes our whole story told by the individuals that live and love this small Indiana county. where we landed. You are getting ready to hear a great podcast today. I am Alicia and I am joined today with our host Scott Miller Hello. and Kylie Jackson. Hey everybody. And Scott, we have got a great guest uh, in today and I'm excited to talk with him. Kylie, I hear you got something ready for us though. I do. We're going to play a little bit of a different game today. I hope you guys are ready. Scott's super competitive. He's not won yet, but he's super competitive. <laughs> he is ready for this. I am running on hot right now. So <laughs> okay. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is a game. Um, it's called Linky. We're just going to... we're. So if you know the game, you know the game. But basically, I'm going to give you four questions. Uh, and they all, all of the answers relate in some way to like a category. So um, you'll answer the questions and then figure out the link between the, the four answers. answers. So the okay. first person to tell me the category we're talking about. Gotcha. Okay. Is the so winner. we've got to answer the questions and then win by telling you the category of the four. Yes. Answers. Okay. So I'm going to, so don't shout out the answers to the questions. Answer them in your head. Oh, this is going to be hard for me. <laughs> I know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And Alex, I know. you get to participate too. Yes. Alex is playing too. Oh my. All right. Ready? First sure. question. Which type of jacket might a violent prisoner or patient be forced to wear? Got, got it. That, got that moan in my mind. Second question. The Timberland footwear brand is famous for its tan work blank. Got it. Got it. Question three. What is a vanilla latte from Starbucks called when there's no added sugar and skim milk used is used? Anybody okay. got that one? Okay. Fourth one. Final one. The name of the malleable rubber action figure popular in the 70s was called Blank Armstrong. Got it? Got it. I got this. Okay. So what's the link between the the four answers? They're a type Material. of- Material. You're close. Jacket. No. That wasn't <laughs> one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I can't link them together. I know all the Clothing. answers. What are the answers? So it's a straight jacket, mm -hmm. work boots, mm -hmm. skinny vanilla latte, mm -hmm. and stretch, um, Armstrong. stretch Armstrong. So straight boot, skinny stretch are all a type of exercise. Iris knows it. Of course she does. She wins everything. She's not even on today. Get out of here. <laughs> Ugh. Our listeners at home are screaming at their, I'm sure their they podcast are. listening devices. And if they were right here, they wouldn't know it either. Alex is shaking his head. So Do you know the back, answer? So, so, I don't know. so there's straight, straight, straight boot, boot, skinny jeans. Yes. Well uh, done, Scott. I hope that. Do you feel better now? Well, it's, yeah. It's, you won. Yep. Do you feel better? I do. I feel a lot better. Okay, running. good. Uh, All right. <laughs> I'm glad we could do that for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Took a little bit of the edge off. <laughs> so today we have one of my favorite people since I've been here in Grant County um, that I've had a chance to get to know is Alex Husky. Alex, Chancellor for eight years now at Ivy Tech, 
Yes. And, um, and also has a background that we are, are excited to hear about, uh, has been in law enforcement, but even in my time. So as some of you know, I've spent some time coaching and one of my assistant coaches was the just recently former, uh, counsel for Ivy tech. And, uh, he just took a job down at Auburn university, but he could not speak highly enough about Alex Husky and the work that he's done with Ivy tech. Um, and so Alex is really putting this area on the map statewide because of the work that he's doing with, with Ivy Tech. So Alex, we're really excited to have you. And I think what I'd like to do is hear your story about how you got to Grant County and somehow weave into there your story about how you got into law enforcement before you got into higher education. <laughs> but welcome, Alex. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Clapping last so long. <laughs> so, you know, it's an interesting story. Um, I met my wife when we were in the Air Force. She was from Marion. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we were planning to be career military. And this wonderful thing happened in 1987 where the Air Force was doing uh, strength reductions. There were too many people in too many career fields. And the Air Force decided that they needed to cut personnel. I, who had a wonderful Air Force career, was forced to make a decision. Either I was going to cross train, leave the current career field, the, the career field that I was in at the time, which was behavioral health, leave that career field and go to another career field, which then would mean I would have to take an overseas tour without my family for at least two years. Uh, with a wife and a fairly young daughter at the time, uh, you know, I, I was forced to make some really, really difficult decisions. And so I decided that I would not stay in active duty, but I still wanted to stay in the reserves. My wife was from, uh, like I said, from the Grant County area, from Marion, and she still had time in the military. Uh, she, she had, I think, five more months than what I had. Uh, the interesting thing was growing up in Flint, Michigan, I had friends who had family in Marion and I didn't know much about Marion other than my friend's family. So, uh, you know, when I came to visit, I found uh, this was a really, really interesting community. I felt like in some ways I had moved from a big city to back in time where everyone was friendly. Every, you know, in fact, when I first came to Marion, I don't know that people kept their doors locked. Uh, I stopped at a bank one time and I locked the door and I remember the person said to me, why did you lock your door before you came in? <laughs> I wasn't used to that. Yeah. So when the opportunity to come to Marion, uh, my wife really wanted to come and I, and I wasn't sure that Marion was the place to land. So I, I did something crazy, right? <laughs> I, I, We're I said, used to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I said to my wife, oh, okay, here's the deal. We'll visit Marion. If I get a job, we'll move to Marion. On, a, on our vacation. Well, I came to Marion on vacation. My family, uh, my wife's family told me about Cornerstone Behavioral Health. That's what I did in the military. And I should go and apply. So I went down and just asked for an application, applied. By the time I got finished filling out the application and returned back to my in-law's home, um, I got a call. <laughs> to come in to have a conversation. I had it, went back to have the conversation. I left and 
went back to my in-laws house. They said, how did it go? I said, I think it went well. It was a good conversation. Um, by the time I was getting ready to get changed, I was asked to come back for a formal interview with the medical director and a couple others all in the same day. So I went back for that <laughs> interview. And uh, when I went back for that interview, I thought it went well. I went back home and I got called and said, well, we hate to do this to you, but would you come back again? <laughs> uh, and I thought, wow, this is weird, but I, I I'll do it. Okay. So I, I went back the last time and they let me know that they would like to offer me a position. I, the only thing was, is living in California at the time, I was making a little bit more money than what I would have been making here. But I, I remember I made that commitment to my wife. So guess what? You had to take the job. Well, I took the job. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I ended up here in Marion. Yeah. And then walk us through the, the, how you got into um, public safety. Oh my. So when I was working for Cornerstone, I, I knew I needed to go back to school. I needed to finish my education. I needed to do some things differently. And um, I, I really kind of set my heart on doing this, but I was at a place where I, I had to figure out work-life balance and educational balance because at the time now I have a family as well. So I, um, I think about that and I decide that, you know, I've worked for Cornerstone now by that time for a few years and, and uh, I try to figure out what am I going to do uh, to get back into uh, finish my education. So I had the wild idea, you know what? And firefighters, friends, I'm sorry, but my idea was apply for a firefighter. They don't do much, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can study at work. Run into burning buildings, save Only lives. Only when there's an emergency <laughs> well, you do know, they, uh, you, know. you know. That was the, the comedy in the, all of that. But I did. I applied for a position with the Marion Fire Department. And um, interestingly enough, I was going through the process and as I was going through the process, now I'm still in the air force reserves, this wonderful thing that we come to know of as desert shield and desert storm, uh, was at its early stages. And I get this phone call literally at mm. work from my CO from the air force. We need you to come to Grissom air force base right away. Uh, bring your mobility back. And I'm thinking, well, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Uh, we didn't know. Um, but what happened was I didn't ship out right away, but I was put back on active duty uh, for a period of time. So I stayed two weeks at Grissom, back on active duty. They released me for a period of time. Uh, shortly thereafter, they called me back to active duty. And at that particular time, I went to backfill uh, a mental health clinic for the Air Force. I became the non-commissioned officer in charge of the mental health clinic during that period of time. Well, I was gone for a total of uh, just under three months. When I got back um, from being gone, deployed two times, um, there were no firefighter positions available. Mm -hmm. And and You the, lost your cushy job. Well, yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is that I had already started the process of resignation as well from uh, Cornerstone. So I was in kind of a bind. And the, and, yeah. the, and the mayor at the time knew, he knew my family, of course, uh, who my father-in-law was. And he said, this is this is a little bit unconventional, but we I think we owe you a job uh, because you went to serve your country and it wasn't your fault. That, right. And so he said, 
how would you like to be a police officer? Never in my dreams did I think I would ever want to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. I, I did not. Uh, but, you know, I thought about him. You need a job. <laughs> right? oh, <yeah>. So, <laughs> so I, 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 I talked it over and I said, yeah, I, I'll do that. My, now, my father-in-law at the time was police chief and he knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. He knew nothing about it. And so they they called him in and called it and said, if he passes all of the law enforcement standards, uh, yeah, we will accept him as a police officer. <laughs> and so that's that story. The interesting thing is, though, what I found is that my experiences in behavioral health really were instrumental in me being a police officer and, and which led to uh, me being a D.A.R.E. officer, which consequently led to my passion for education, learning, you know, teaching D.A.R.E. and grade in the schools and then being on the national training team for ATF to teach police officers how to teach in the schools. Uh, it really led to that passion for education. And that's so all throughout my 23 years and nine months of law enforcement, which was by, you know, happenstance, I was preparing myself for an eventual career in education. How, how did Ivy Tech reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Uh, you know, it is the it, Indiana. I think is a fairly unique state in that we don't have multiple junior colleges. Um, the Ivy Tech is the state, what I would call that that uh, intermediate step um, between high school and a four year degree. And you can probably speak to that and say, hey, Scott, you're all wrong on that. But um, but how did you get to Ivy Tech? How did they recruit you or did you go to them? <laughs> so, uh, again, another interesting story. Uh, at the time when I decided that I was ready to give up, you know, I, I felt like I had been in law enforcement long enough, law enforcement regulatory services long enough. And time to let someone else lead organizations and do that work. I I, I didn't know what I was going to do, really. And so I, I, I just announced to the governor's office because by that time I transitioned from the Marion Police Department working for the state and I was serving as the um, chairman for the State Alcohol Tobacco Commission and Governor's Commission for Drug Free Indiana at the time. And so uh, I gave my letter of intent to the governor that uh, it was really ironic that January 2015, I was planning on retiring uh, from at least by January 2015, I was planning on retiring. I could go earlier, but I wanted to give them enough time to find someone as a replacement. Uh, I had several individuals. I was suggest that I start looking for uh, employment opportunities, and they made contacts and said, "Hey, here are some people you may want to to meet with." Uh, interestingly enough, I met with someone. I won't mention the name of the individual that I met with because he's a prominent individual in athletics in the state of Indiana, but he had a position available that he was really interested in me uh, coming to work for him. And we were talking and, and throughout the conversation, people were amazed because they said he never spends more than 15 minutes with anyone. How did you get an hour with him? You know, it was a really good conversation, but at the end of the conversation, he said to me something, he said, you know, you really do belong in education. And I hadn't expressed anything about teaching or education to him. I was an adjunct professor for IWU. I was doing some guest lecturing for IU and some other things. Um, and I hadn't mentioned anything about really wanting to pursue a, a passion in education. He said, I have a friend I want to introduce you to. Uh, 
And you really need to go talk to him because I think there's probably some, you know, uh, Ivy Tech has campuses all over the state and there's some, you still live in Grant County. So I'm sure there's some work that you could do with them that will be more meaning. I would hire you today, but I don't think you'd be fulfilled working for me. Right. And so he suggested I go meet with the president of Ivy Tech at the time. Well, I wasn't just going to make a cold call to the president of Ivy Tech. Right. right? (laughs) Uh, So I started feeling around, you know, I started asking, you know, individuals, okay, what, what positions are available at Ivy Tech? How do I learn about the positions that are available at Ivy Tech? And, and lo and behold, I started getting phone calls back and, and people saying the first call was, and this was all within a week's period of time, right. Of me deciding that it's time for me to get out of law enforcement. So I started getting these phone calls from individuals saying, Hey, what's this? I hear about you retiring first are you nuts? And I'm like, yeah, but it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I had people said, yeah, you know, you, your passion for education does shine and it does show up. And so uh, what can I do? Who? And I said, uh, I don't know yet. Let me figure some things out. Well, I don't know how it happened, but word got to Ivy Tech uh, that I was going to be looking for some roles. And then I started receiving phone calls. One of the phone calls I received was from Dr. John Lytle, who was the campus president of the Marion campus at the time, saying, I hear you're going to retire. You should apply for my job. I'm going to be retiring. <laughs> um, you know, I thought, wow, OK, I was thinking about teaching uh, or maybe, you know, working in that area. But I, I've been in leadership now for most of my adult life and I could I understand leadership the technical aspects of understanding higher ed, I can learn that because why? I know I can learn now, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought about it and and I I, I kind of him hauled around a little bit. Then I got a phone call from then chancellor for Ivy Tech East Central Region, Dr. Andy Bowne said, hey, I just received your name from a couple of friends of mine and I think that you would be a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. Would you consider applying? And, you know, I thought about it and, well, okay, so this is the second phone call that I received. Then I received another phone call from someone else and said, are you kidding? You're retiring? Why don't you, and, I, and then when I told them what my thoughts were, they said, yeah, you definitely should go for that. Well, I wasn't too sure. So 11.59 p.m. on the night that the application process closed, uh, I submitted my application. Hmm. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, and the rest is history. And, and um, I've been excited about this role and, and, and the impact that we've been able to make ever since. Yeah. What do you think is the best benefit of Scott was talking about? We have a unique opportunity in the state of Indiana to have a kind of a singular junior college or institution like Ivy Tech. What inspires you the most about leveraging that for our community? So I started my education in community college, Mott Community College in Flint is where I, where I started. And, and one, I know the value of community college and people mistake the value of community college. They, they think of it either in terms of technical school or those other things. And, 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 and it's all, it's all inclusive, right? So it's, it's those key academic pieces that for the general education core, that, that transfer core, uh, it's really solid in that, but it also helps prepare the student that's not ready for that four-year institution. I tried to move qu- too quickly to a four-year institution, and I, and, and the reason why I had to go back to school as an adult uh, 
is when I went to a four-year institution, initially, I was not ready. It wasn't that I wasn't educationally prepared. Emotionally, I think, and with maturation, I don't think I was ready. And so that attempt, my first attempt was not successful. And, and I had a real bitter taste at first. And But it was the community college atmosphere that really kind of leaned in that that helped me to develop uh, that passion for education. And I think being the singular accredited institution in the state, it allows us to be laser focused on helping individuals be best prepared. I tell people one of the greatest things about us is we have smaller classrooms where you can get that individualized attention. Uh, you, you know, I walk around the building every day and I'm engaged with students. You don't get that. Uh, and I've heard folks say you don't get that from the, the president of a large four year institution or chancellor of a large four year institution. So it's able to be engaged at all levels, but also understand each community's uniqueness, the community's needs and try to help build that workforce for the communities uh, in which we serve. Favorite day in eight years at Ivy Tech. So if you were to go back and think through that and say, man, that was a good day. The day hired me, of course. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> second totally joking, day. totally <laughs> joking. <laughs> I, I think, it. you know, I started off, the way that our structure was before, uh, it was a, it was a regional structure and the campus president's where structure was a little bit different than the chancellor structure. I think when Dr. Andy Bound moved to uh, the legacy, uh, moved from the legacy East Central region at the time and became the, the senior vice president for the college, and I was selected to become the regional chancellor, uh, I got to see things from a very, very different lens. And it was really my very first day came that very first, favorite favorite day rather came that very first commencement exercise that I where I served as the chancellor of the legacy east central region and it was really because not only to see all of those folks from Grant County achieve that goal but to really all of the six campuses and sites that were assigned to the east central region all of those folks come together in one location and to understand that they all had the same goal in mind, but many of them came with the same challenges, but they persisted until they prevailed. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. and I think that day was just kind of like the the big awe for me. Uh, not anything I was able to do, but what they were able to do collectively and what they were able to do individually and become who they needed to become. Yeah. This episode of Where We Landed is sponsored by Nick McKinley State Farm and Mortgage Company, located right next to Marion High School on 26th Street. Nick loves this community and is always giving back by supporting things like this podcast. You can support this community too by purchasing your insurance through Nick. You get to enjoy State Farm's amazingly low rates and his team's remarkable customer service. And did we mention he can also help you get pre-approved for your next home loan or even refinance because Nick has teamed up with Rocket 
Rocket Mortgage. Nick McKinley State Farm is your one-stop shop. Give him a call or text at 765-674-BANK. That's 765-674-2265. Don't have time to talk on the phone? Send him an email at nick at nickhasmyback.com. Thank you, Nick McKinley State Farm and Mortgage Company for sponsoring today's podcast. Like a good neighbor, Nick McKinley State Farm is there. I have been so impressed by your positive positive spirit um, each time that I've interacted with you. And I'm curious, so so this question is going to be long, but do you have, like, are you a guy that grew up around sports? Are you a guy that grew up around music? What, what, what are your interests in addition to what you do on a day-to-day basis? Do you have anything that you're passionate about? I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of things, but, but, but as far as uh, music is concerned, uh, I've played guitar now for 54 years. Have you really? Yeah. Since I was <clears throat> young, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, um, my, my, my parents divorced when I was very young, but my father always had a guitar in the basement and I would sneak down in the basement of the house when I was really, really young kid. And, and pick it up. And the, I think the first song I ever learned to play in the guitar was an old blues song, uh, Green Onions. Some of you may, it, that's the first song I ever played because it was, it was really easy that easier than most people think it was mostly finger picking and, you know, just, uh, kind of a f- two finger notes, if you would, uh, if you would, and, 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 and let no chords, right. You know, and, and so, uh, that really, when I'm in that place where I really need to kind of deflate, it's it's good. I can go in my office at home now and pick up one of my guitars and, you know, just just put on a set of headphones or whatever and just jam out to myself or whatever. You know, uh, I you know, but but the other thing is my spirituality. You know, I am bivocational, so I do pastor a church as well. Huh. Uh, and and that relationship really is what keeps me rooted in the ground. And then let me just say this. I have a great partner. My my wife keeps me balanced. <laughs> that I don't know how she does it. I don't I, I tell her all the time, I don't know how you put up with me. But but she's really good at keeping me focused and keeping me balanced, but also being honest with me, right? About who I am. Mm-hmm. And and I think we, we were having a conversation last night, uh and and I said, you know, I wish we as people just learned how to be more honest with each other. Because we feel better, but we, we're so used to people telling us what we like to hear or what we want to hear that when we have people that are honest with us, sometimes we think they're mean. Yeah. We, mm. we, we think, you know, we think that they don't care. But the reality of it is I'd rather someone tell me the truth. Yeah. I'd rather someone be honest with me because how else will I know how something is impacting you or how else would I know if, if I need to improve? Yeah. So, so you said growing up with music, any favorite bands, any favorite person that you'd say, Hey, this is uh, my favorite musician um, over the course of time. So my favorite musician has, has passed on and, and literally it was um, one of my, he, he was not only my favorite musician, but he was my favorite uncle. Um, he, once he found out that I had a passion for guitar, uh, he was self-taught one of the greatest guitarists I ever knew he played mostly with gospel groups and, and he took an interest to make sure that I learned well. And uh, I think the greatest achievement I ever had in that regard was, you know, we, we used to 
um, when I was a kid and all the way up until probably my late teens, every Saturday morning, we would go to his house and we would jam out in the garage. And I mean, people would come and bring out their chairs and sit out and listen <laughs> to us play. And we could do that all for, for hours, you know, hours upon hours. And I remember the day he said to me, cause I, I just thought he was the greatest. I mean, there's, you could say, you could mention any song and he could just, he'd, he'd just play it. Right. And, and I thought he was the greatest. And I remember the day he said to me, he says, you know, you don't realize that you're 10 times better than I am. Hmm. And, and he, and this is what he said. He said, and if you weren't, I would have failed because anyone that teaches someone something should expect them to be better than them. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm not that good. I was going to say, I will, I will just tell you but that it's I, very am powerful that, I am not that good. Yeah. <laughs> well, just having somebody believe in you like that, especially as a young Absolutely. person. I mean, the confidence that that gives you. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, before I let these guys hop I was going to say, Kylie has a question. Okay. We'll let Kylie go. <laughs> Speaking of a little since, honesty. Since I won the uh, event uh, earlier today, uh, I'll, I'll uh, go ahead you're, and you're, defer to Kylie. Yeah, I would you. have to be competitive for that to bother me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to ask, uh, Alex, as you're explaining kind of your career trajectory, it almost seems like serendipitous that you've been led to this position you're in now. I mean, to go from you know, military to law enforcement to, you know, the, the dare, um, which I re remember you fondly <laughs> from, you know, the teaching, uh, within the law enforcement, then going into like administration at the state level and then leading you to, to Ivy tech. It feels, you know, so many different industries, even like, even your ministering, I'm sure yes. plays into that, but so many different industries that have all kind of come together and coalesced for this perfect, um, you know, is it final chapter or I don't know. <laughs> um, that wasn't my question, but, <laughs> but it's all kind of led to this. Um, what has surprised you the most in your role uh, at Ivy tech? It feels like you were perfectly prepared for this, but what surprised you? I, I think what surprised me the most is um, <laughs> when you find that, the reason why so many people don't pursue education really have to deal with things that are external to them more than they are internal to them. It's, it's, you know, that, that challenge is, is, is and to get people out of that, you know, mm -hmm. and I had a group conversation with our student government association yesterday. And one of the things I said to them is do not let what, anyone's perception of you define who you are or who you become. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we had this conversation in it and, and, and what should have been, you know, about a 30 minute conversation. We ended up speaking for an hour and 15 minutes and, you know, and I was trying to leave and they were like, no, don't leave. <laughs> but we were having a really good, this good conversation. I think that's the one thing that surprised me the most. And so it's really getting people and helping prepare people. The other thing that really kind of caught my attention was the number of people who really were pushed to four-year institutions. And believe me, I'm not speaking against four-year institutions mm -hmm. because my goal is to prepare people so that they can transition to those four-year institutions if they're not prepared. But the number of individuals that we see from our service area that started with four-year institutions who were not prepared 
they're now in credit recovery. They're trying to recover from some bad experiences with courses. They may have financial issues and they really want to come back to school. And so we've really tried to lean in and use resources, especially community resources, wherever we could and, and make those our priorities to get those individuals back whole so that they can finish the education that they've started. And one of the things I can tell you is we've been tracking this for a little while. So over in the course of eight years, it may not seem like many, but over the course of eight years, we've probably helped over 2,500 people in that situation finish an education, finish some type of credential. And for me, if they could just finish a certificate and, 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 and have that sense of accomplishment and completing that certificate, they may want to finish that technical certificate and then that associate's degree, then that bachelor's degree, that master's and beyond. Mm -hmm. You know, the challenge that I also see, we serve Grant Blackford and Jay counties and roughly only 27% of that population uh, have matriculated beyond high school. So when you think about over, you know, nearly what, 98,000 people, only 25% of that attaining a college degree or something beyond high school, that's significant. We, we have some serious work to do, especially if we were going to do get everyone workforce ready by 2025, which is coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, are you okay if I ask my question? <laughs> oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to ask mine. Okay. You go ahead. No, you can go ahead. Um, growing up in Illinois, so we had the community college system and we had one in my hometown and a lot of athletes went to the community colleges to play Juco. It is a lot of basketball, but other sports as well. Softball. Um, I'm curious, has Ivy tech ever thought about adding athletics to its dynamic here because of the fact that there might be a lot of kids who athletics might be their guiding thing that keeps them motivated. Probably can't play at a four-year school, but might be able to play at a JUCO, which just isn't an option here in Indiana. So has that ever been something that's been discussed at Ivy Tech? So, yes, it has. And um, I, I won't get into all of the details of it, but for a number of years, the Fort Wayne campus was the pilot, and they had – uh, the Titan baseball team. And, and they were really, really pretty good. But one of the things that you have to understand is being singularly accredited. We're also the state's community college. So mm -hmm. the bulk of our funding uh, other than tuition dollars come from state. Yeah. And, and so it's athletics. Big cost it, facilities, significant coaching staff, sig significant. Things. And, and so I don't know that our legislature has an appetite right now to s help sustain all of that, because, you know, y y if you think about adding uh, sports and this is one of the things I believe they found out in Fort Wayne, you, you almost need about five years worth of revenue stream to get started. Good. Yeah. Right. Because you, you need to you need to launch but then you need to have some revenue because you're not going to generate a lot of revenue from ticket sales or those kinds of things the first couple of years. So you have to have some revenue to sustain. And then if you think about 19 campuses plus another 24 sites, 
throughout the state of Indiana, that would probably get expensive pretty quickly. And then you did because with title nine, if you have men's or boys sports, you have to have something for women and ladies. So how do you, how do you do that? Well, Uh, and, and that was the challenge even when starting with the baseball, because then they, I think they tried to launch volleyball and it wasn't successful. And so, you know, then are you out of title nine compliance or those sorts of things? So the challenges are there. Uh, I, I think if, we were to do that as an institution, that's a long-term fundraising thing uh, that we, we prepare for. And, and again, we'd be prepared to deal with it for five years out. Yeah. So Alex, um, you've mentioned Eileen in passing and your children a little bit, but tell us more about your family, what it was like raising children um, in, in Marion and, and kind of where, what they're up to now. Wow. Yeah. So my wife, Eileen, works at McCullough still. Uh, she she loves her role at McCullough Junior High School. Uh, she loves the, the, the students there. She loves the team that she works with. Uh, she's put up with me for 38 years, uh, October 8th. Uh, and, and so uh, let the record show. Yes. yes. So, uh, you know, she's a very dear person to me and, and, and our kids. Our, we have a son and well, let me back that up. We have a daughter and a son because the daughter is older. <laughs> our daughter lives in Anchorage, Alaska. She mm. has four lovely uh, babies out there that I cannot wait to <laughs> get here for the holidays. But I uh, love love the grandbabies. Uh, she's a stay at home mom at the moment, but you know, she's, she's talented. I, you know, all throughout her life, she's been a dancer. So she danced here at playhouse at uh, signature dance studio. And, and she actually, she went to Oklahoma city university. Uh, she, her degree is in performing arts management and dance pedagogy. So uh, she is, that was her passion for years. And then she, she became a mom and, and it's lovely. I, I love seeing her as a mom because it's encouraging. It lets me know that something went right somewhere in her life. I don't know who did it, but uh, something went right. In probably her Eileen. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Probably, probably. More than likely. I, I, I will say and then our son, Matthew is here. Uh, he has a lovely wife, Tristan, uh, Matthew. Um, it's interesting. Matthew's, I, I see so many similarities in our lives, uh, but Matthew is a very, very brilliant young man and, 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 and family oriented. Uh, he, he actually graduated with degrees in aviation and the year that he graduated from Indiana state with his, uh, degree in professional flight technology and unmanned aircraft, unmanned aircraft and airport management, uh, the aviation industry changed their standards. And so it required way more flight hours than what he had. Uh, he was on track at first. And so as he was trying to build those flight hours, um, he got a job and something he learned uh, in high school through his, his, I call it through his dual enrollment experiences. Uh, he uh, was uh, trained in IT. Uh, and he is successful in the IT field now. He works for Indiana Westland uh, and really enjoys what he's doing. So, you know, he has all of these credentials and he continues to go and and, and get other credentials. But, yeah, right now I love him and uh, my daughter and love Tristan. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's good. Uh, so. I, I'm going to open it up to the group here for a, a quick uh, 
kind of as we wind things down. How generous of, course, of you. I know. <laughs> so um, I was thinking this morning about five Monday must-haves. So if you have five Monday must-haves, things that you got to have on a Monday, what would your five things be? What and Iris, is it with you I, and I these feel, questions? I can feel Iris behind me. <laughs> she, is. she is totally behind you making faces. I'm sure, I'm sure she is. But five things on a Monday that you just say, these are things I might have. And anybody can start. And I Five things on a Monday. Ugh. Um, so I'll start, I guess, if we have to, Thank if we have, to. if we all have to play this game, yes, we do. <laughs> uh, I feel like Mondays are maybe my most motivated. And I feel like that's kind of like a, I, f- I think that once you aren't excited to like start your week on a Monday, like maybe it's time to start thinking about what, what you're going to do next. I like, I, I'm ready. Like Sunday nights, I'm like thinking about like what the week's going to look like and what month. So like I find Mondays are like my most motivated, especially like we've talked about morning routines before mm-hmm. on here, but like Mondays are when my morning routine works the smoothest. Like I'm up, I get, you know, right out of bed on a Monday morning usually. Um, and, and things, you know, the things we've talked about a morning routine, those would be the five things I would say, like I meditate on Mondays. I, you know, I make sure I get a long walk in on Monday mornings and, you know, I do all my, you know, all the things, um, you know, sit and drink my, you know, my tea and water and things. Uh, then it's just downhill from there. And then basically by (laughs) Friday, I'm just trying to hold it together (laughs) for the weekend. That's what I saw coming. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Monday is definitely my, the peak of my week, but yeah, I don't know if I said five, but yeah, I think you were close. That's good. Alicia. I can go to Alex if you'd rather go to Alex. No, just get it done and out of the way. (laughs) It is a little awkward that like, my boss is sitting across the table from me. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's fine. He's not intimidating he's, or anything, right? He's not <laughs> intimidating at all. And he's known me since I was 12. So he yeah. probably knows me better than any other boss anyway. Um, five things on a Monday. Well, I find my most productive day is Wednesday. Like for me, I'm like, wow, Monday, like the whole week is in front of me. I've got so much to do and that can be kind of overwhelming. And then by Wednesday, I'm like, okay, I've got half stuff done. I've got half stuff to go. And so I feel pretty good by Wednesday. Um, so that's kind of my cycle for that. Um, so five things on a Monday, I absolutely need my cup of coffee in the morning. Um, whether I get that at home or the first thing I do when I get to the office Monday is get my cup of coffee. Um, I try to make sure on Mondays that I've looked at my calendar and I know what's coming for the week so that I'm not missing anything. So definitely have to kind of get up. And I do that kind of like Kylie said, it's an everyday thing. I wake up, I check my calendar so I know what meetings I have, what do I need to wear, what do I have coming up that week so that I can schedule appropriately Um so like for this week, I knew I was going to be working remotely here. So I needed to schedule in advance. So, um, but I can't really think, I mean, five things is a lot, especially in the morning. I feel like Scott asked this because he has a very he good He always answer. has a good answer. <laughs> is it Skittles? Do you need Skittles every Monday morning? I, I don't. 
we're gonna have to start getting video because of my facial reactions. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like that. <laughs> have um, the skittles? But no, no, it's not skittles. So I, I was thinking. So I, I do like a cup of hot chocolate on a Monday. So oh. that would be one thing. Whip, no whip. Oh, lots of whip. <laughs> and and if we could find some some. Um, vendors here in town that would really do a Extra good job whip. on the whip that would be wonderful <laughs> so that's one all the whip all, all the whip, whip. <laughs> yeah so whip then another must have pretty quickly is my iphone so I, I probably am addicted to the iphone but i've got to check my like my fantasy football team from the friday from sunday night football oh, so, yeah. so iphone and then i would say my grocery list so in our house I try to do the grocery shopping. So we tried to divide out things. And so grocery list on, on Monday. Um, number four for me is the Wall Street Journal. So I try to get kind of a national um, view of things. And then five would be my iPad, which is where I can actually do some more work on. So those would be my five Monday must-haves for five me. Five Monday must-haves. Nice. All right, nice. Alex. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about us, we have a good balance in our house. And Eileen leaves the home house a little bit earlier than I do. So my five must haves is I have to have that time for meditation and reflection. Uh, so when she leaves, I have about an hour that I could really kind of meditate, reflect and, and do that. And since Alicia knows I don't like Microsoft scheduler assistant, <laughs> uh, my, my Monday morning calendar, generally I like to keep pretty free because I need to be able to be flexible enough to deal with any of those emergencies or crazy things that happen right over the weekend that need some immediate attention, but also like that time to kind of just take the day to look at the week ahead and see where there's gaps where I might need to plug things and meetings in. Then the very much like you, uh, I, I like to have my iPad close by then so that I can look at uh, both local but national news. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a real big, sorry, I'm not a big social media person, so I don't have to see that <laughs> stuff. But I do want to see the local and national news. I want to know what's happened that maybe I've missed because I do have kind of a busy life. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I like to kind of think about the the day you know they don't know how i'm going to show up at work i may show up with treats i may show up and and just pick <laughs> on everyone uh but just kind of plan that first day how do we do that and then i haven't started this yet but i recently talked with the hr person uh for us and we're going to figure out how to do some monday activities some kind of icebreakers for the weeks so i've been reading this book about about things that we could do on mondays and then the other thing is because i am in this program i'm also doing a lot of writing on monday on monday morning so i'm up reading reviewing what's ahead of me for the, the work i have to get done yeah well, thank you guys for indulging my my, my question. Your questions I, are always great. <laughs> I just like picking on you. <laughs> so, um, I, I, do we want to ask kind of the final, like, hey, yeah, hey, we're getting we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. Yep. Do you want to lead with that? Sure. Me too? So, Alex, if you've listened before, you know our final question is: What are you reading, watching, and listening to? Besides our podcast, of course. Okay, right. thank you. In yeah. addition to our podcast. Yeah. In, a, in addition, in addition to, to. There you go. In addition to. Uh, great book that I'm reading. Um, finishing it up a second time, actually. 
It's called Morality, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times by Jonathan Sachs, a rabbi from Great Britain, uh, who really, uh, he wrote this book and it was published just prior to, or at the beginning of the pandemic. But, you know, there's so much in there about what we've experienced. It's almost like he was reaching back in history and kind of giving us the story, but also trying to prepare us for what we should be doing post pandemic. Mm. And so uh, I, I read it once because of required reading, but I'm going back through it again. And I'm actually, I, I, I have a list of people who I, I, I'm going to buy a copy for because I think they would enjoy it. Uh-huh. Not because I think they need it, but because I, think they would I always enjoy question it. when Alex drops a book on my desk, I'm like, mm. <laughs> was this a suggestion? Or? Like, this like, I'm known. I'm Cause known. he's an honest guy <laughs> right. and we'll tell you what he thinks. <laughs> I'm known for dropping books off to individuals. So, uh-huh. hey, check this out. What do you think about this? So, um, you know, th- I'm trying to get the Husky cliff notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, not so. <laughs> But so uh, that's one thing. I don't know that I'm really watching anything. It's if I'm if television is on, sometimes I, I will tell you it's 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 there for background noise because I'm either typing something, reading something, or writing something, or you know Eileen's busy doing something and she doesn't want to be bothered by me, of course. <laughs> uh, so you know that's that. Uh, but uh, pretty much just focusing on my writing right now and, and reading and then, you know, uh, studying and uh, for worship. Yeah. Um, Chancellor Alex Husky, it's been awesome to have you a part of our podcast today. I, I was thinking as we were talking today, when Iris and Alicia and Kylie and I first sat down well over a year ago and started thinking about having podcasts and who would we invite and types of guests and what we wanted having the chance for people to get to know people just like you was really important to us. And, um, and so I want to encourage people who might be listeners to this podcast to subscribe and maybe tell two to three other people about this so that they can also hear the stories about people like Alex and the work that he's doing here in our community. So Alex, thanks for your leadership in our community and, um, and thanks for being who you are. Well, thank you. And if I can just say one last thing, the greatest thing about being here today is to watch three lovely people that I've known since their elementary days as, <laughs> as, as their dare officer or, or their great officer, right? To watch them become the people that they have become today and, and to really influence our community because this is what it takes for us to be stronger together. So thank you. Oh, thanks, yeah. Alex. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Today's podcast was engineered by Kyra Montero of Frequency Canvas.